The Feel Better Station for Warrington Hospital. This is Radio General. Now, the final hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Oh, you know what, Park? We just had the World Club Challenge. I'm confident, confident Saints would have won it. You know what? They did a lot better than I thought they would have done St. Helens there. I think I was tipping that they'd be looking to get within 30 points. <laughs> is that all? Yeah, and uh, it was much closer than that, wasn't it? I was confident they were going to do it this year. I really did. I thought the Roosters, no way they're going to win it back-to-back. But, hey, Trent Robinson's boys proved they were up for the fight. Got to say as well, how quick were they around dummy half? They were even leaving St. Helens players on the floor. Now, usually, we're used to that being the other way about in Super League, aren't we? With Saints being that much quicker than anybody else. But, uh, yeah, I think, once again, it did show... Um, that when it comes to speed of rugby league, the Aussies have it in abundance, don't and we? And I know they kept them saying in the commentary on uh, Sky TV uh, that oh, Sydney Roosters is a pre-season game, but my word, they looked sharp, didn't they? They did look sharp, they looked sharp. Yeah. Considering the Saints have played four games, they've gone straight in. Wow, how scary, co- isn't it? How good was Jake Friend as well, the number nine for uh, for, for Sydney? Who's he a friend of? Uh, I don't know, I don't <laughs> think he's a friend of anybody over here after that <laughs> performance, put it that way, but he made a lot of friends on the night. He did, yeah. Hard lines for the Saints, the Aussies win it, and uh, all the talks about the World Club Challenge, you know, you got Robert Elston um, saying, right, we need a plan, and now Trent Robertson's saying the same thing, we need to have it here more focused and have a plan of what we're doing. And what we're going to do with it I thought it was focused I thought it was always meant to be a pre-season thing Well they're trying to work out when to have it Did they have it at the end of the season Start of the season Middle of the season Well that would mean all the bodies coming together And saying that we need to delay the international game For a mm. week at the end of the season wouldn't yeah. it Yeah yeah. And then again you've got How do you sell it then Because like uh, Trent Robertson said in his uh, post-match um, comments He'd like to see it like a four-year plan where they play three from over there and one or, or one in Australia. Is that to try and build the interest up? Because it so. might take them three years to build interest up in Australia for it. Probably, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, right, if they keep winning it and they take it back over to Australia, the Aussies won't want to watch us getting flogged by the Aussies again, will they? I mean, you can't hope that it'll end up being high-quality games like what we saw at the weekend. Cracking because game, by it the was way. it was a great game, you know. And I mean, I know that uh, I know the Roosters won by eight points in the end, but it, it was nip and tuck for a long while, wasn't it? But see, the thing is, with Australian rugby league fans, they just don't rate Super League, do they? I mean, they rate the English players that are running out for the Canterbury Bulldogs. Yeah, or yeah. Whoever, you know, the, the, the Burgess brothers and James Graham and the likes of them players who've gone out there and tried the luck in Australia. But they just don't seem to uh, rate our game for some reason. No, no, and I don't know why. But uh, having said that, they are oh, they do seem to be that little bit faster than us, don't they, at the minute? They are. But, you know, you can still beat them now and again. <laughs> now and again <laughs> We've just got to have it So far You know what I think we're having it Too early in the Australian pre-season We should be playing that First week in January Get them over here First week in January When it's like minus seven I think it should be The end of the season Personally <laughs> No I think it should Get the grand fans Out of the way And have it the week after Or the fortnight after Yeah but then you've Well I suppose Then you're giving in Two weeks to sell it Aren't you Yes And where do you have it then Does it go to somewhere neutral Or does it go uh, oh, I, uh, uh, Well the way I'd like To think about it um, whoever won it the year before Have okay. it in their country Alright, okay um, So a bit like Eurovision Song Contest Exactly Okay yeah. yeah There you go Robert I've just I've just solved the issue Of what to do with the World Club Challenge Right, next challenge 
Well, Next well, challenge. Well, well, we're, uh, we're, well, we're talking the rugby league on the Fan of Hooter um, for loverugbyleague.com, mm-hmm. the podcast for loverugbyleague.com it is. Uh, thanks very much to Radio General, as always, for letting us use the studio, because if it weren't for them, we'd be rubbish. <laughs> we are anyway, but, you know, it makes us sound better, doesn't it? Speak for yourself. I think I, I always I, sound I, good. You hold everything together, mate. I'm just blagging it. it well, you, you, you blag. You, you're the best blagger that I know, to be honest, Bla- right? I've blagged it for 20 <laughs> years, man. Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. I'll dig you out occasionally. Don't worry about it, exactly. mate. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, World Club Challenge done and dusted. The road to Wembley's up and running. So I, I was super pleased. You know, everyone's getting to grips with, I wouldn't say the conditions over here because it's been shocking. Um, but yeah, everyone's getting to grips with match fitness. But although, four rounds in, alarmingly, lots of injuries. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. And Toronto were even talking about the game before Warrington. They might not have enough to play the fixture. Well, I'm actually glad that, you know, my what I thought was quite a reasonable question, I asked a Mr McDermott, where he asked me, was I a journalist? All right, okay. You know, sort of regarding, would he be strengthening his squad? Would he have the remit to bring any loan players in? He's actually signed two players on loan today. Well, the rumour was before the Warrington game, he might be raiding Rochdale. Right. Well, <laughs> to, no, to fulfil the fixture. He's raided Wigan. He's raided Wigan yeah, instead. Yeah, because uh, Jack okay. Wells has joined him on a, a month contract, and so too has Ben Kilner. So two young players who are looking to get extra game time. No disrespect to players at Rochdale, by the way, but you know that's where that's if his words, that's what he was saying. Hey, to be fair, to be fair, I'm sure you put a Super League jumper on Sean Penkovic, he could still do it, you know, oh, he is yeah. class, he absolute may be, class. He may be 33, but hey, the Penko can still do it. Hey, I think you're being generous to him there, I think he's nearer 30, 36 actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, he is, wow. he is, but, and then you also got Sam Hopkins, who's also done it in Super League, really, you know, so yeah. those are two guys that you could, uh, you could easily slot into a Super League setup. Now... Rugby league likes breaking new ground, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. What bro- what ground have we broken now? Well, um, it's not Castleford Stadium, is it? No, that's that's gone very quiet. Oh, it? right, no, okay. No talk of stadiums in Castleford again. No, again. <laughs> it's only been twenty-five years. Well, you know, we, we saw another picture of one, didn't we? That Listen, came. Up. All right, then give it a new sponsor's name. They could pay. Yeah. They got a new stadium. I suppose they have, really, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get away. It worked for Wakefield. Wakefield yeah. just built that that um, block, block of flats, flats didn't yeah, they? On one end, flat. yeah. Castleford will have to go one step further maybe put a new marquee at the back of the main stand <laughs> then we've got a new stadium but away from all that um, they've announced a new panellist uh, for the Man of Steel how, how the, the gang sit down and vote the players free on, on a 3-2-1 basis is it? Yeah, yeah it seemed to work last season that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, well they're doing the same thing again they've introduced Benny Westwood well he, good, he good. wasn't there last week in Manchester but they've introduced a woman, former woman rugby league player. They have, yeah, Lewis Forsell, who uh, was a star with Bradford and with Leeds Rhinos right at the start of their Super League journey. And you caught up with her the other week, didn't you? I did. I'm incredibly proud, and um, you know, it's it's so bizarre looking at that, that list of panel and the list of names on that panel, and um, some absolute legends on there, and you know, players that I grew up watching and um, inspired me to, to go on and, and, and achieve in rugby. So I feel um, incredibly to be proud and to be able to keep um, that legacy of Steve Prescott and um, you know when you're thinking about that award thinking about all the attributes that he encompassed as a person and a player so um, I'm really really proud and um, another step to, to promote
promote the inclusivity of the women's game, making sure that we've got a female representative on the panel. So I think it's um, really brilliant, and I'm incredibly proud. You mentioned you want to be a pioneer and a representative for the women's game. It just shows how far the women's games come in such a short space of time for you to be accepted onto the panel. Yeah, yeah. To, to listen to Ellery say, you know, that they're welcoming me on board and all the members members are, um, are keen to have me on is is brilliant. And I think it's it's the respect that we're getting from from players like that for the women's game and the growth of the game that, that is fantastic. And um, yeah, for me. My, my, my playing days have come to an end through an injury which I'm obviously gutted about but it's now making sure that I can still try and um, push the women's game further and push the boundaries and um, one door closes another one opens and that's for me to, to still make sure that I can be in, involved in the women's game and um, push on for more opportunities for girls coming through like when I did when I was younger You're a new panellist so what's expected of you? Um, so yeah we, we vote on the game so we have watched the games live or, or through video link and um, you know it's particularly tough at live games because sometimes feel like you miss certain parts of it and you can sometimes watch it back you know on highlights or whatever and think oh you think about it differently now so just to vote for your your third three points two points and one point and um, I'm really looking forward to it so we all stay at home don't we or in a, in a crowd and have our own opinions but to be able to actually now put that to use and um, sit there watching it with my, both my playing head and my, my coach's head and um, you know, my, my rugby league passionate passionate head on it I'm, I'm looking forward to it it's going to be really really good weird to have a legend like Ellery and the ring you don't have to say have you got your votes in you yeah yeah I got a bit starstruck I saw him at a dinner a couple of, a couple of weeks back and um, I said oh nice to meet you Ellery and Lois and he went I know who you are and I was like so yeah it's, um, it's nice to be included in, in a room with you know with greats like that and um, to get the conversations going both about men's and women's rugby league within the, within the same room and I'm, I'm incredibly lucky and grateful for the opportunities that I've been given and um, I'm, I'm grateful for their confidence in me to, to be part of the panel for this year. You mentioned you had to sadly retire due to injury, but you have been just named as the new Leeds head coach for the, of the Women's Rugby League. Yeah, we speak about them them doors closing on you and other ones opening, don't we? But um, yeah, I was I was obviously absolutely heartbroken to have to retire at the age I had to retire. I'm only only 28, so to have to retire due to an injury, it's um, it's pretty tough and it, it makes you look at, look at what you can do next. And like I say, for me, I still want to be successful in the women's game. I want to push the boundaries and um, the, the the end goal hasn't changed for me just the process to get there has so I'm, I'm going to turn my hand to coaching and um, it's a challenge that excites me and that I, I think that attributes and playing will, will support me in that uh, journey and I'm looking forward to it it's going to be a bit weird the fact that some of your teammates are now you're going to have to decide who to select and not to select yeah look I think coaching um, any team would be tough for having to come up with them decisions of selection and um, I think the one thing that I did say to the girls is I'll always be 100% honest um, and they know my passion and they know my um, my reason for being there so I was there from day one of that journey of Leeds Rhinos women and I think they'll respect the fact that that's where I've come and everything that I do will be for the, the best for the team and you know at least we've got a team first culture and you've got to kind of respect those decisions and and I'll, I'll just always be open and honest about that and that, that's all that I think any player can ask of any coach and um, the world come moments where it's tough and some days where I think this is a lot harder than what I thought and other days where I'll be absolutely buzzing but I'm just really looking forward to the challenge and uh, the, the, the season ahead is um, exciting Keeping you up to date with everything rugby league this is the final hooter on Radio General. Yeah, I was a body blow when you got to retire early, so it's good to see Lois Fuzzell still involved with the game as a head coach of Leeds Randall's women's team and also on the panel of the Man of Steel. And what I mean by breaking ground, 
there's only rugby league that can do what they do before any other sport even thinks about it. I mean, uh, having a lady on the panel of the uh, whole of legends of rugby league players, that's breaking new ground for me. Well, it is. And, and to be honest, Lois is a, a legend as well, isn't she, with what she's achieved. She and, and, you know, the fact that she'll get the opportunity to now, um, if you like, teach the next generation of women players coming through to the sport, I think it is tremendous. And, and I want to see more of it. Do you think she'll get Cray Ho with all the pressure? I hope not. I mean, you heard her. She's only twenty-eight, so you know you don't want to be you don't want to be wishing that on her already, Adrian. What are you doing, man? But uh, yeah, um, in all seriousness, best of luck to Lois in uh, in both regards, really, both as uh, the coach of Leeds Rhinos Women and also for this spot on the panel. She's a legend within the women's rugby league. Um, you spoke to another legend of the game. Um, from Batley I did yes I spoke to Craig Lingard uh, so he's gone back as coach of Batley head coach of Batley um, was the uh, original top try scorer for the club and I caught up with him after Batley's loss to Lee after the Challenge Cup game recently uh, John by Craig Lingard Batley Bulldogs coach um, let's start first of all we're doing this interview right after the Challenge Cup tie against Lee um, in some regards, it's like coming to a different world, isn't it? When you look at the, the difference between the uh, budgets of both your side and the Centurions. Without a doubt, yeah. I was speaking to, speaking to, uh, to just before the game about the, the facilities that people have got and what we've got and what they've got. And you know, they've got a virtually identical field uh, just behind the stand here. They've got a, a swimming pool, they've got a you know, uh, full gymnasium, they've got this, that, whatever else. And uh, we've got one field. Uh, and and it's, it's about balancing... Uh, training time on that field, doing what you need to do, and not ruining the field. You know, so the last last sort of couple of weeks, it's basically been we've uh, we've done a bit of gym work, we've done as, as review and as preview, and spent as little time on field as possible because it's uh, it's not going to do it any good. Um, you know, so that's that's one of the differences is, is the, the actual training facilities that some people don't really really think about and take that into account. Just think you can just play and train and play in your field all the time, and it's not quite it's not quite like that. But then the obvious ones are playing budget. You know, it's, 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 it's a different world, and, and I know that a playing budget don't, don't buy you a winning team, but it gives you a good chance of doing so. You know, the uh, the players that you can attract, if you've got a, if you've got X amount, or you've got Y amount, you can only, only attract certain players if you're going to pay them X. You know, if you're telling me you're going to pay them Y, they'll go join somebody, somebody else, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a lot a lot lower than X or Y. Uh, but that's just that's just reality, and and I think as long as people realise that, and, um, and 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 they're not over expecting us to to do. You know, top three, top four, top five. That's you know, it happens every now and again. And the last time we were we uh, was young here when we finished third in the league, it was an an anomaly. But it was done by hard work and it was done by a lot of dedication. And that's what we ask of the players. You know, we, we know what we've got and we're limited with what we've got. But as long as people are working hard and, and they're putting the effort in on the field, that's how we can ask them. Batley's regularly been a team that has punched above its weight in this division, and I think that's full credit to well, whoever's been in that top job over a number of years. Uh, you've now got it. How do you feel? Because you you've come back to the club you, you were so well regarded as a player you've worked on the coaching staff at all the points like you touched on yeah it's always difficult coming back into a club I suppose where you, uh, you're held in, 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 in high regard I suppose um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends at the club I've, I've, I've been involved in, in the club since uh, since 1998 in one form or another you know, so I've got a lot of friends at the, the, the club and uh, I've got a lot of history there so I suppose it's always dangerous coming to a into a into a job where you know there's only two ways you're going to leave that job. You're either going to get sacked or you're going to leave your own accord. You know, so I know before taking the job that getting sacked was always always going to be an option. And now that would have, if it did happen, now that would affect my relationship with with Kevin and, and Paul Harris and the, at the club as well as as well as other people there. You know, and one of the things I said to them is that the two completely different things. You know, if I'm not doing a job 
as a coach, then you sack me. Uh, that won't affect any sort of friendship that we've got or that we've had in the, in, in the past, and, and that's just how it is. Uh, it's easy to say that, and but if and when it happens, and it might be, it might be a little bit harder to deal with. But you know, that's 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 life. You know, in, in every job that you've got, there's, there's two ways you leave. You either, you either leave you on a card or you get sacked, and uh, that's that's something I've got to. I've got to take into account, and as long as I'm doing a job, then uh, I'll be here as, as long as I, as, I want, as I want to, and as long as the club club want me here. Um, but yeah. I'm speaking to you four games into a, into a new season. You know, you've already said about the fact we've had. You know some of the weirdest weather that we've had in, uh, you know, like yeah, living yeah. memory and stuff, <laughs> and how that can affect it. How do you think this team of yours is coming together at the moment? I think they're getting there. Um, you know, it's 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 a big, it's always a big change when a new coach comes in, um, and I think that first game against against Featherstone, we had eight eight players making the debut, so that, that just shows the, the turnover in players at the, at the club. Uh, and there's I think there's a couple more made the debut since then as well. You know, so it's it, it is effectively a new a new playing team. It's a new coaching team. So we're still learning about each other. And there's some of the players who have been here, um, like several players that, that are still here from when I I coached here last time, um, and they they'll have seen a lot of changes. I would imagine uh, in their playing time will have been here. I think it's just um, it's just. Getting the standards there that you expect of the players, I said, I don't expect us to win every game. It's just, it's just unrealistic for us to do that. But what I do expect is that every, every player who plays in every game that they play, they give 100, um, percent and that's that's non-negotiable. Um, and you generally find that if you've got two teams that are very, very similar, the more hard-working team will will generally come over over the line winning, um, and that's it's just non-negotiable. It's been a hell of a start for you. You mentioned the Featherstone. You played at Witness last week, Lee this week. The, the, there's no easy game. Championship anymore? Oh, there's, there's not. No, every every other week you're playing you're playing against a top four, top five team, and some are full time, some are albeit full time. But then when um, when you play against teams, and I'm going to count myself in, the, in this category, so it's no uh, it's no slight against any teams that I'm going to mention because they look at us exactly the same. You know, your, your Oldhams, your your White Havens, uh, your, your Swintons, your Sheffields, and sort of te- and sort of teams. You need to be taking taking points against them, and that's why. I'll, the the victory last week against Swinton so early in the season was so so big for us. Uh, you would perform pretty well in the first two games against the Featherstone and against the Witness, but then if you get beat at home against the Swinton, then the people forget that you've you've worked really hard and, and performed quite admirably for 67 minutes in games. Just, just, just uh, you've lost against Swinton at home. Hence me nearly forgetting to mention Swinton before as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it happens, but you know it's. It's, it's a learning curve for us as, as a group. It's a learning curve for me. I've never coached in Championship as, as, as a head coach. Um, I've done, done League One, but I've been assistant in, in, in Championship. But I think knowing the club and knowing the values of the club helps. Uh, certainly helps me, and, and that's that's what I've tried to bring back in and tried tried to instill in the club is that family value, that family feel, and that everybody's everybody's job, whether you're a car park attendant, whether you're a tea lady, whether you're working behind the bar, whether you're you're playing fullback for for the first team, everybody's got a role to play at the club, and everybody's role is valuable. You've had a good grounding, haven't you, in going up to someone like Keithley, which had, had again its own story that was being told at the time when he was there. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and I'm, I'm sure if people know the story, they won't, they won't believe it. It's uh, it was you know, so you could make a mini series over it, and people think it was far fetched, but it weren't. But there's some great, again, some great people over at, over at Keithley. Uh, very, very similar come to what Batley is in, in terms of the the people that are involved behind the scenes and the supporters and the very, very passionate people and, and the love of the club. Um, obviously, the, the the big difference between both clubs is the stability, and hopefully now with with the new uh, 
the new owners in the, in, in the key. That stability is, is going to be there for, for many years to come. But yeah, it's a great, great ground and great first job for me uh, as a head coach over at Keithley. Uh, and I think as well, you've mentioned the stability. Batley traditionally has been so stable based on that, that management that just hasn't changed in years and years and years. It hasn't, no, and I think that's why the club have been so successful in, in regards to what, how Batley can be successful. Um, and you yours always as a coach you want you want a big budget to bring, bring, bring people in but with the with the feeling that I've got for the club that I know that if we spend more than what we, what we can afford then it's only going to bring the club down you know so as a coach I'll be told what we've got a budget wise and that's what we'll spend and we won't spend anymore because the club hopefully will be here long after I'm gone long after the current directors of have gone and long after some of his fans have gone you know, so it's the longevity of the club that's, that's the most important thing if that means that we work within budget we work within budget and we do the best of what we've got and it's great hearing that as well because quite often rugby league clubs go from boom to bust boom to bust boom to bust don't they they do yeah um, and so I think it's you touched on that I think it's testament to, to Kevin who's been at, at the club for 25-26 years now that the, the, financial, the financial aspects of the club has always been on, on, on an even keel you know they're not the bad Far away, they're not not the richest club, but they're not the poorest club, and and what they've got is their own, um, which is more than what a lot of clubs can say even in Super League. That the grounds are their own, everything they've got there, the, the the money that comes into the club, generated on match day, goes back into the club and goes back into uh, hopefully building a squad, a stronger squad for the year after. I can tell with the way that you talk. Obviously, it's been you've already mentioned that it's been a huge part of your life, mm. and I can still sense that passion. You know, because it's there, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, and I think the. That passion will be evident in the half-time team talk a little bit. You know, it's the first time I've blown up at the players because um, so we've got to be realistic about where we are and who we're playing against at times. But I just didn't think that the effort were there in, in that first in that first 40 minutes. And um, as I said, it's, non, it's non-negotiable. Is 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 effort and work ethic. It's it's something that you can control. Yeah, some people's always going to be stronger than you, faster than you, more skillful than you. But there's no excuse for not putting in more effort than the person next to you or the person you're playing against and I didn't feel that we got that this uh, in that first 40 minutes that second 40 minutes it were better still a long way to go um, but effort wise I thought it were I thought it were a lot better and uh, yeah I think the the values of the club the, the, they instilled a lot of my values I were only 19 when I, when I joined the club so I was still a, a young pup um, and the players that I played with, the, the, the coach that I played under, you know, people like David Ward and, and Paul Starr, you know, they they were non-negotiables. You know, the effort and work ethic and, and the intensity that you played, that, that's that's basically what, what it was. You know, we didn't we never had the, the most skillful team or the most expensive team, but we always had a team that grafted for each other. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get this this group to do. And so far, they've done it. Apart from that first 40 minutes, but you know, we're, we're getting there. We're growing as a team. Keeping you up to date with everything rugby league. This is the final Hooter on Radio General. Or feel better station. Feel better station. Radio General. Keeping you up to date with everything rugby league. This is the final Hooter on Radio General. Uh, tell you what, Batley fans, be made up, made up that we've got a full, exclusive nine and a half minute interview with a legend that is Craig Lingard. And didn't he speak well as well? He did. I mean, he was talking all about the, the differences and, and how, you know, what success looks like for Batley compared with what success looks like for a club like Lee, for example. I like Batley. I like Batley. I think Batley is everyone's favourite second team. They've also done extremely well because they never overspend. You never hear of Batley in any nope. sort of financial trouble, do you? No. Nope. They've developed the ground. Well, I know we've already poked in this show regarding you know, stuff that's happened at Wakefield yeah, and lack 
things happening at Castleford, but they've done what they have, yeah. haven't they? At least they've never got rid of the hill. Keep the hill. That's what I say. Well, make it's it all, steeper. It's, yeah, it's all part of it. Why do you say make it steeper? <laughs> Just make the plays work. My for goodness, the you are. Are you some kind of sadomasochist or something? <laughs> yes, let's make it steeper. That's, that's how we can redevelop it. We'll make it, make it another level steeper. You know, we, you know, we called it Mount Pleasant. We're never going to call it Mount Unpleasant because we've added an extra twenty foot Listen, to I it. I don't know any player that's ever called it Mount Pleasant. <laughs> it's always been Mount Unpleasant for everyone who's been there. Oh, to be fair though. It's great venue. To be fair, though, it is a, it is a top Iconic venue. Iconic venue. It's great to still have it within the world of rugby league. The cheesy I, chips are good as well. They are. Mm. Yes. Yes. Cheesy chips in Batley. See, did you forget that? Have I got you thinking of things now? I wonder if they had that cheesy chips in Batley in the first summer of love. Oh, they probably did. They probably did. It's probably one of the high points. I think you could you could definitely get a barbecued sausage that first season. Listen, we're doing we're doing a new feature this year because because rugby league summer rugby league's twenty five years old. It doesn't matter if it's super league. It's summer rugby league. Twenty five years old. Uh, we're going to hope hopefully um, pin down players that were involved. Shall in we that start particular season? Shall we start with our memories though? Because you came up with a cracking one that we were talking about just yeah. before we Barbecue, entered. Didn't you? Barbecues in the stands. No, no, not those. That's what that's what we thought would happen. But what actually did happen? You were telling me about the very first match that you went to under the summer rugby league banner. Oh, yeah, it was at the Willows, Salford. Okay. So what was Salford like? It was a rock hard pitch. It was a dust bowl. A dust bowl. We did, we we ended up with a with a heat wave, didn't we? In the we first did. week or first mm. two weeks of the season. Yeah, dust bowl it was. Every time players got uh, got tackled, it was just a cloud of sand and dust. <laughs> Can't see nothing. At least that's a little bit better than being all full of mud, though, isn't it? Yeah. Or is it? Well, how many ankle injuries was there in that first oh, game? You'd know. I, I wasn't keeping stats, man. I, I've got I've got a fond memory, right? Lee mm. played against Swinton. That All right, okay. it, was, it was Good Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. Good Friday, the first lot of fixtures for everybody outside we, we of had a, we, had a, we had the last season of it, yeah. the winter. Winter stroke, spring. Yeah. Then you had like an eight-week break and we went in. A shortened season, wasn't it? I've got a feeling, depending on how well you did in the Challenge Cup, it might have been even shorter than that, to yeah. be honest. Because yeah. I remember Lee playing around about the February time. I think we got knocked out. Then next thing you know, we've got four weeks off and we're into a brand new season. Brand new stuff going on. All that type of stuff. The crowds were still as low as ever at that yeah. time at Hilton Park. Listen, we were told barbecues in the stand. I've never seen a barbecue in the stands. No, not the nearest thing I've seen to a barbecue... Um, was over at Lee Miners a few years ago, actually. They had one. They had a really nice afternoon one day. Steve on the pitch. That only lasted one season. Remember, he used to be there announcing the players. He was, yeah. Out. I don't know. He managed to get around all them Super League games, though. Mm. Bowmania. Bowmania. Yeah. I know we mentioned Cougar Mania was knocking about. Well, they pinched Bowmania. it off. Bowmania. They pinched Bowmania it off Keithley, didn't they? Yeah. Um, short sleeve crowds. Yep. Mm, that still happens. That still happens still occasionally. S- you see some sights when the, when the sun comes out <laughs> during just, the rugby league season. Just not now in February. No, Oldham playing at Boundary Park, remember that? Oldham playing in Oldham's a start, isn't it? To we be mentioned fair. the rock hard pitches yeah. at Paris Saint Germain and Workington. Workington, yeah. And Tony Smith playing for Tony Workington. Tony Smith played for Workington. See? He was telling me once when he was the coach at Warrington, do you used, used to have him lodging? Uh, in, in, I think it was a director's um, flat above a chippy. Okay, can you tell and me because, this story? Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can confirm it. Um, and because he lived above above a chippy, these call him chippy because it's not like a chip <laughs> shop. <laughs> obviously, the aroma of fish and chips and the salt and vinegar must have been clinging to his clothes. 
<laughs> so, so if I was to next time I see Tony Smith, go, all right, Chippy, he's gonna he's gonna hit me into yeah. <laughs> so don't do it. No, fair enough. Mm. So anyway, we're going to be doing that hopefully throughout the season of this year's um, LoveRubbly.com podcast, the Fan Hooter. To be fair first though, of love. to be fair though, fans could also send yes. their memories of that send first season. Send your memories, your first summer of love of 1996. Contact me on Twitter at Dave Parkinson RL, and uh, we'll get some of these read out over the course of the year. Anyway, let's flash forward 25 years. Uh, the Challenge Cup has reached round four, but before we got to round four, um, we had a couple of postponed games. Yeah, it was a bit of a uh, truncated. Three matches were postponed because of uh, was it Storm? Oh, it Dennis? was Storm Carer, wasn't it? But then Storm Dennis came along. Right. Um, now most of these matches happened during Storm Dennis, to be right, fair. Okay. So it was a Saturday and Sunday. Right. So um, who won those games to make it into round four then? Well, Newcastle Thunder defeated Keithley Cougars. We're going to hear from Simon Finnegan in just a minute we as are. he tells us the aftermath of that. Uh, Barrow Raiders defeated London Scholars. Rochdale Hornets accounted for York Acorn and Workington Town. We're giving a fright against West Bowling but managed to prevail now you mentioned those games were played during Storm Dennis mm-hmm. well, at least Newcastle players didn't get the Storm of Dennis they did have lost that one no we had him he was behind us in the co- on our commentary did you position. feel the Storm of Dennis I then? did at one point he was looming over was us watching, over you? watching the screen Oh, and right, everything okay. that was going on so uh, yeah great to great to catch up with Dennis by the way <laughs> <laughs> but anyway you never caught up with, with Dennis Betts you caught up with Sam and Finnegan let's hear from him right now uh, well Simon Finnegan um, what a game it's certainly one that you can mark down for the character of the side isn't it yeah it was <clears throat> as I said to him after the game really really proud really proud coach the the effort that we defensively that we put in I thought we were immense you know um, the 60 minutes it was with a man down so and to be fair I think they made a line break in the first half, but they, they didn't really threaten a lot. I know they had a lot of goal line attack on us, but I still thought we we defended quite well until the, the last try was a bit soft. But I'll get, you know I can forgive them that. There was certainly the first ten minutes of the second half as well, where you were facing your own goal line for much of that, and, and to keep them out of that period as well. Yeah, well, I just think they, you know, <laughs> they got the bit between their teeth. You know, I think the the early challenge on Brad, set, you know, sort of put the tone into our boys I thought that you know they responded after that and and they defended really tough and it was tough conditions and probably needed that today and again I'm a, I'm a really proud coach to be honest uh, so 12 points to nil it was at half time uh, all the conditions certainly with you as far as the kicking's concerned you've you got it all to do that second half haven't you yeah I, I, I think the breeze we probably underestimated how, how you know it helped us in the first half we didn't it was quite strong it was hard to get out of our end though we did make it hard for ourselves I mean our completion rate second half was probably low 20% but when when we defend like that we could probably drop the ball like we did but yeah it, it, the wind the wind played its part as well but the conditions weren't great so you had heroes right across the pitch um, it's a 17 man game who, who would your players of the match be? I'm not so yeah, well, they all, you know, we lost the man. Colton went off after six years, but I thought our middles in particular, our starting and bench middles were immense. I thought the way they worked from the inside and then to put their hand up and carry the ball, I thought, you know, I asked them for that effort and, and they they went beyond that. So I'm really happy with all our middles. But to single out any type of group, I mean, the way we defended, it took more than just our middles effort. Our edges were really good as well. So. I can't single anyone out. I'm just going to have to say it was a team effort today, but you know that's that's what we needed and that's what got us the result. 
congratulations on the win. It's a fine start to 2020. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a fine start in terms of wins, and and we move on to the next round. I just I'm praying for some sun, some or no wind or no rain, something, no more storms coming in from somewhere, and you know maybe we will get some summer rugby at some point. But you're not as cold when you win. I'm sure Keithley are feeling a little bit more colder than me, but you know it's I can't complain. There you go, Simon Finnegan in the house, head coach at um, Newcastle Funded. Yeah, he's enjoying the role. Did he what? Sorry. Do you think he's enjoying his role? Though? I think he is, to be honest. Yeah, because I mean, he's 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 sort of been a, an assistant coach for the he last has. few years at Lee, both Toronto. Lee and Toronto. So yeah. now he's getting his chance to step out and be his own man. He's in charge of the recruitment there. I mean, okay, he's working in conjunction with Dennis Betts, who we mentioned before. Mm. Um, you know, who it was good to. I actually did speak with Dennis, but I thought we'd go with Simon Finnegan. Yeah. You see, so oh, okay. uh, but great to hear from Simon, and uh, I wish him and Newcastle the best of luck. Okay, then round four winners uh, to try and make it into the next stage of the Challenge Cup. Bradford ended, all, uh, ended on the Bank Rangers charge in the Challenge Cup, defeating them 22 0. Uh, North Wales lost that to Huntslet. There was also wins for York City tonight. It's a good win, that 24 22 against Super the game, that, Broncos. by the way. Widnes proving too strong for Oldham. Uh, Workington coming up winners against Doncaster. Rochdale were too good for the British Army. Sheffield, close one game against last year's semi-finalist. Halifax losing that on that occasion uh, to Sheffield uh, in round four. At Newcastle Fund there, they continue their march towards uh, Wembley the with, with a win against Siddle. Uh, Swinton ended the hopes of Lee Miners. Rangers having a big payday here against a possible Super League club. And uh, Feverson Rovers were pushed all the way by Barrow Raiders. And finally, Lee were too good for Batley, winning 36-10. Yeah, there weren't really many shocks in that round. Uh, I think the biggest thing that came towards a shock was Workington Town defeating Doncaster. I thought that. Uh, but even so, you know, Donny, I, I have those, uh, they've got a good squad, but they are, you know, they, they are, have those little wobbles. Well, like North Wales are going to produce one against Hunts, but they just lost out here in the, in the final moment. Yeah, and to be fair, Barrow as well. Um, yeah. You know, Barrow for a long while was 16, and then right. Featherston scored right at the end. So, um, uh, uh, but that, you mentioned the great result for York City Knights. You know when they scored? It was yeah. Jimmy Kinehorst, and he scored with three minutes left wow. to put them in front. Anyway, the draw for the next round has been done. Who got who? It certainly has been. So, uh, Wakefield Trinity were drawn out of the hat against Bradford Bulls. Right. Widnes Vikings will host Swinton Lions. Sheffield Eagles will host Workington Town. Whitehaven or Dewsbury, that was the game that didn't go ahead, will have to travel all the way up to Newcastle Thunder. Featherstone Rovers have been awarded a home tie against Hunslet. Toronto Wolfpack, well, they drew out Huddersfield, that tie to take place at Huddersfield, by the way. Hull Kingston Rovers have once again got Lee Centurions for their second consecutive year. And York City Knights have been rewarded for their victory against London Broncos with a home tie against Rochdale Hornets. All those ties due to be played over the weekend between the 12th and 15th of March. Uh, one tie to be selected for live streaming by BBC and another one on the RFL's Our League app. Now, why Saints were taking on the Sydney Roosters uh, in the World Club Challenge in, in, here at the weekend. Round four of Super League. I've seen wins for H- w- Wigan against Holt. There was also a win for Leeds against the Sofa Red Devils. Warrington uh, pushed all the way by the Wolfpack, but Toronto tasting defeat yet again. Um, doing it tough, aren't they, Toronto, since they, they stepped it back in, uh, stepped into the big time of Super League. Huddersfield coming up with a good win against the Hawkinson Rovers, 22-4. 
uh, Castle for pushed all the way by Wakefield, but then ended up winning it quite convincingly, 32-15. Yeah, just to, to reflect on those results quickly, mm. uh, great from a Wigan point of view to get Dominic Manfredi back out there. He's yes. gone through the horrors this last 18 months, hasn't he? So he actually got a try as well. Lovely ball over the top and he finished it in the corner. Uh, Jackson Hastings scored his very first try for the Wigan club as well in that one. Hull, a little bit disappointing. Second half only had a Griffin try to, to, to call upon. Um, we, we had Ian Watson blowing up against the referee after the game against Leeds Rhinos, which is a bit unusual because he's not usually the type of guy to say stuff untoward, is he, about match officials? No. But he's decided to, to come out there. Leeds Rhinos far too good on that day. Thought it was a great second half from Castleford Tigers to defeat Wakefield. Huddersfield Giants are going some at the moment, aren't they? Are, they aren't are they? top of Super League, unbeaten in three matches. Wow. and. More impressively, they've all been played away from home as well. You mentioned Hull um, having a disappointing second half against Wigan. They did exactly the same be- be- the week before against St. Helens. Great first half, just couldn't get the job done in the second half and lost convincingly to St. Helens. So are they going to be a first half team then? Oh, it looks that way, doesn't it? He's got his work cut out. In round three as well, Wakefield surprising the, uh, the odds and defeating Warrington. Didn't see that coming. Nobody did. Catalans defeated to Castleford. Didn't see that coming either. Big win for Leeds against Hawkinson Rovers. Huddersfield defeating Salford. Wigan defeating Toronto. Yeah, I thought that uh, the Wigan and Toronto game is two hours of my life that I'll never get back, yeah, to be I think, fair. Yeah, I think everyone who watched that game will feel the same way. It was a bit drastic, wasn't it? And then we saw, again, um, you know, that great result for Wakefield. Um, but yeah, it's sort of warming up nicely, isn't it? Uh, mentioned Hawkinson Rovers. Uh, we, we all know about uh, Mossy Massot, don't we? Sadly <laughs> injured and really struggling uh, to get back to full health. But it's been decided they're going to have a bit of a, um, a fundraiser for him and some legends of the game are doing a 500-mile bike ride. Oh, fantastic. Uh, one of those guys is going to be Danny Maguire. Wow, I hope he's out training. Oh, man, 500 miles. Yeah, but all for a good cause. It and uh, he's got our full thoughts and support here as well. Uh, we had our time on this fan, the Hooter on loveforbelly.com. Thank you very much to Radio General for letting us use the studio. Uh, we'll be back again talking rugby. But before we go, um, I made my way to the Man of Steel panel event. And here's the best of the rest. We're going to hear from Ellery Anley, Rob Elstrom, and last year's winner... Jackson Hastings. It's when Jackson met Jackson. And I wouldn't do anything if I didn't enjoy it. Right. And um, it's a magnificent honour, first of all. And uh, and having the support of all the rest of the panelists is fantastic. And uh, my role, being the chairman, you know, it's such a distinctive role. And, and let me tell you, it's one of the greatest honours you could have. As a player, one of the greatest honours is to try and win Man of Steel once. You won, you won, you won it three times. Do you know, if I'm really honest, Adrian, I still can't believe to this day that I've won it three times. And uh, and, it, it, it's, and what people tend to forget is this, and what's, for me, one of the key factors of me winning it is the players I played with, they were a massive contribution to me winning the Man of Steel. And secondly... It's the players I played against as well. They tested me every week um, in terms of my ability, being able to... And, and, and there's other factors what obviously contributed to that as well. Being fit for the whole season, making sure that your form's good as well, and um, and make, just being consistent for the whole whole season. That, that plays a huge role in it, not being injured. 
Yeah, you mentioned that. You, you seem to do that for, for the entire of your career. Well, I think uh, one of the probably one of my strengths was well, two of my particular strengths was my was my mental strength, and, and secondly, the fact that it was having durability and, um, and and not just not just playing through pain as a lot of these players do now today, but I think that he's been able to manage the pain and when to be sensible in terms of you know the, the, those periods of time that I had to take time out you know with a broken jaw and so forth but during the court rest most of my season I, I generally um, was able to play in the majority of the games but I think that comes back to one core factor it's been super fit and that's one of the things I sort of like manage myself on in terms of being super fit and um, and I think that helped me tremendously you mentioned the broken jaws it just shows you how rough and tough rugby league really is isn't it yeah it does and um, and I know that I, I don't say this casually or loosely it, it's part and parcel of the game you know we, we, we obviously would like to these particular injuries not to happen it is like a car crash every time you go out there and you go into a tackle or you make a tackle it is like a car crash and the expectancy in terms of injuries is always going to happen and it's bound to happen but you know the, the, the laws of the game have changed even from my period of time in the head eye tackles and, 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 and making sure that we, there's a duty of care to the players that each individual player has to each other and the respect that players have for each other that's, that's crucial and important I think the panel is a, a list of the best of the best the panel is so exciting I'm a huge fan of the game I've been watching it for 50 years and when you look down who is judging the best players of Super League in 2020 well wow what a list I actually think I'm not sure many other sports have done it you know in terms of getting the best 20 Premier League footballers over the last 30 years in a room to pick man of the season in football I don't think they've done it so for us to do it I think it's terrific and uh, uh, one of the challenges they're going to have I think is 2020 is going to be a really really uh, hard season to pick a winner from who do you think is going to win it? Jackson Hastings is the current winner at the minute. I know it's early days, but who's your money on position? Uh, I probably should say neutral, shouldn't I? But as somebody who played the game to a very mediocre standard as a standoff and a halfback, then I always look to halfbacks. And I'm stood here very near to Jackson Hastings, who was an amazing scrum half, who dictated games, boss games, uh, tactically absolutely brilliant but also could run and pass and kick uh, you know a complete player in that sense for me um, I think so I always look to halfbacks the other exciting pair of halfbacks coming in I think in 2020 are uh, James Maloney at Catalans Aidan Caesar at Huddersfield Caesar has started exceptionally well James Maloney is absolute quality so you know if you think about and I'm sure I've probably missed a few but if you think about Hastings Caesar and, uh, and Maloney in the halves of course Widdop and Hostin Wow, you know, Widdop and Austin in that mix. Uh, Johnny Lomax at Saints. You've got some uh, amazing halfbacks. I think which will be really, really exciting. You mentioned the fact as a sport, rugby league has broken new ground. By the way, to decide how to decide who's going to be the, the player of the season. Yeah. But breaking ground again, we've got Lois Falls out. So representing the female side of rugby league yeah, and breaking new ground again. No, and women's super league is something we're all really proud of. Been to two or three games, and the quality, the intensity, the commitment. Is, uh, is absolutely brilliant I really really enjoy watching that game Lois has had a really uh, exceptional career in uh, Women's Super League, her knowledge of Rugby League is is very very strong so in that sense she'll be a really good addition to the panel of experts
experts. So yeah, I'm excited, really excited about who she's going to pick and what she thinks about performances. So yeah, no, again, groundbreaking from Super League. It's um, the most special award you can win as an individual in, in a team sport in our game, obviously. So um, the whole night was special. The whole lead up was special. To have my family fly from Australia was was a proud was a very proud moment for myself. Obviously, having I think it was 500 Southland supporters at the, at the top at the top of the um, arena screaming my name when I won it. Um, to walk down to shake Ellery's hand, um, for him to to whisper some obviously encouraging words in my ear, um, to actually hold the trophy up, to go home and, and to realise that I've achieved it. All in all, was just um, one of the things you dream of and something that I'll never ever forget. A lot of great players over the years have won that trophy. I know you have the daily aim in Australia, but where's that stand within within the players' career? Oh well, obviously it's the equivalent of the daily aim in the NRL, isn't it? So it's it's our biggest award, and to be able to say that I've got my name etched in history for the rest of my life alongside blokes like Ellery and and people that have won it before me is pretty special. Um, obviously, where I was at in my life before I come to England, I never thought that I'd ever get the chance to to win something like that or to be remembered for a, a reason like that too. So. Um, to be proud of that, to say the least, is um, yeah, it's, it'd be an understatement. I think it's something that I'll look back on and be super proud of when I retire. But uh, next on the list is to hopefully win a competition. That's the that's the main objective. You came close last year. Maybe you might have a better chance at Wigan, but uh, to make to make such an impression on the British game in such a short space of time, has the move gone as better as what you thought? Oh, definitely. Um, never in a thousand years did I expect it to pan out the way it did. Um, I was at a stage in my life where I didn't really want to play anymore. Um, I sort of got a lot of things twisted in the media that, that weren't exactly true. I have my name sort of dragged through the mud. Um, it's probably the most hated player in the NRL, to be honest with you, for, for reasons, a lot of reasons that I didn't even do. So that was hard to cop. And then and coming over here, obviously people had an opinion of me before they'd met me. And I could pretty comfortably say if you ask 90% of people in England who have met me, they'd give you a completely different opinion to what people in Australia would say. Radio General. Radio General.